0: So the older gentleman begins to speak, and he says there was this father and son, and a son had a friend. They decided to go out fishing, so they went in a boat, and they went fishing. They went out into the ocean, way out, a couple miles offshore. Out of nowhere, this storm brews up. And it catches them off guard. And being an experienced fisherman, he knew that there wasn't much he was going to be able to do but try to save the boat. But the waves got too high. The waves began to crash over the boat. And the boat was rocking side to side, and he knew it was only going to be a matter of minutes before the boat would capsize. And all of a sudden, that's exactly what happens. The boat rolls over and throws everybody out. The father is the closest to the boat, so he gets back to the boat and he's on it and he has a life ring. He has to make a quick decision who does he save? His son or the son's friend? It's a quick decision. It's a decision it has to make quickly because the next wave, they both could be gone. So he yells out to his son, Son, I love you. And he takes the ring and he throws it to his friend. And he brings his friend to the boat. And as soon as he gets him to the boat, the next wave comes over and his son disappears into the ocean never to be found, never to be recovered, just gone. He said, that story is a great relationship to Christ because God gave His only begotten that we should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave His only begotten Son, had Him to come to earth as a baby, grow as a man, And his life be taken for us. And he steps off of the platform and he goes and he sits down. The pastor comes up and he begins to preach. He begins to share a little sermonette. Building on what the older gentleman had just talked about. And as he finished, as he concluded... The pastor gave an altar call. Probably 20, 30 people in the church that night, but nobody raised their hand. Nobody came forward. So he had the congregation just stand. He gave a benediction and told him to have a good night. He'd see him on Wednesday night. As the older gentleman was walking out of the church, the two teenage boys that were sitting on the edge of their seat the whole time as he was telling this story went up to the older gentleman and said, that was a really good story, but it's it's it can't be real because no father would give up his only son. And he said, well, Jesus did, or God did for Jesus. And he said, well, yeah, but that's the scripture. That's, you know, that's, that's what we know to be, you know, that's, uh, that was a spiritual thing. But it just doesn't seem plausible, as one of the young boys would say. And the older gentleman, he stopped right then. And he looked at the boys and he said, you know, it, it doesn't sound plausible, does it? It does sound hypothetical, doesn't it? And the boy said, yeah. He said, well, let me tell you this. I'm the guy who lost his son. And his friend is your pastor. You see, church, when God calls, he calls. We're all called. We're all called to deliver the gospel. You see, in Exodus, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago in Exodus. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Let me refresh your memory. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, to Horeb. And so he maintained that flock, and he came to the mountain even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame, out of fire, out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will not turn aside. I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And the Lord saw him turn aside, and God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, here am I. And he said, draw not neither, put off your shoes, for the place you are standing now is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He began to talk about the children of Israel. He began to talk about their afflictions. A few weeks ago, I talked about their affliction. He said, I see the afflictions. If we read on, he says, I see the afflictions of my people. I've heard their cry. I know their sorrows. I've come down to deliver them. And so Moses then began to understand he needed to go back to Egypt to help set the captives free. Now, the setting of this text, again, going back to Moses and Midian, Moses is there with his wife and his father-in-law. And we know from this message a few weeks ago, the misery of Israel. They They were in peril. Remember, they were under the taskmasters. They were under those who were beating them. But God calls Moses to deliver his people. Moses is now 80 years old. He was what we would call by today's standards well into his retirement. But he's tending sheep. He's not retired. He's busy. Taking care of the family business. But he's startled by this burning bush. He has to look in amazement of what's going on. But it's the voice that comes from the bush. that really grabs his attention. I don't know about you, but if I saw a burning bush talking to me, I might be amazed. I might get my attention. But this morning, I want us to look at why Moses may have questioned God's call. You see, because I believe, church, that a lot of us question God's call. I believe... Do we truly understand the call that he's given to us? See, God called Moses when he had a busy schedule. A lot of us are busy a lot of times. And guess what? Sometimes we get things in the mail or we get an unwelcome visit from the door and it changes our whole direction. But what it shouldn't do is take your eyes off of the focus and off of the prize. Because, see, that's what Satan will do. Satan will take your eyes off of the prize. He will help you to lose focus on where we should be heading. And when Moses was tending this great flock of sheep, I did some digging into that and figured, what is a great flock of sheep? Well, a great flock of sheep back in Moses' time was considered to be about... 60 to 70 sheep at one time. That's a lot of sheep. And sheep bite. Sheep, they get stubborn sometimes and they like to nip. Thinking, this guy grew up in the house of Pharaoh. In his early years, he had, they had been ease, he'd had, he had the life. Things were great for him. But now he's working as a shepherd. He's just a shepherd just working and and doing the work that has been set before him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Does your schedule seem too full? Do you feel as if you have Very little time to spend with God because you're going, going, going. Plenty of people distracting us and and getting us to do different things. Let me give you a little nugget of truth this morning because I believe you are the one that God is calling. But I just keep saying to myself, God, I would do more if I had more time. If I had a little more time. I remember before I went into ministry, I shared with some of y'all, I, I knew God was calling me, but I was like, God, I don't have enough time. I got to work. I got to do this, and, and I've got to do that, and I just don't have enough time. I'd go to school if I had more time. One car accident later, I had plenty of time. You see, if you keep telling God, I don't have enough time, he will give you enough time. Virginia kept telling me, you got to slow down. You got to slow down. You got you to have more time for yourself. I will, I will. Hello? Now I got all kind of time. After the fourth day in the house, I thought I was gonna go crazy. I almost went up a wall. It's like, you know, I gotta do I gotta get out of here. I know they talk about cabin fever and in South Florida, you know, the weather's really nice and you can go sit out on the porch or something like that just to be out. The fourth day, I I told Virginia I was going for a walk. So I went down the steps. I went out the back gate. And not thinking, when I went out the back gate, it was hot. Absolutely. And I said, okay. I took for a little walk. I walked over by the little lake there, and I came back, and the gate was locked. You pushed the green button to go out. But you have to have the key pod to come back in. Well, guess who didn't have keys? I didn't tell you I was the brightest pastor on your block. So I walk back out. I walk all the way down, go around, and all the way around. It's, it's like a mile and a half, the walk. No problem now I'm to the front gate. But guess what the problem is? No key pod. So you can't get back in. I said, "Well, I might as well walk over to the mall then." So I walked over to the mall, and sat inside and cooled down for a while. I said, "Now I'll just go back to the house." I walked back and I stood at the gate and waited and waited and waited. And finally, a car pulls up to the gate. They use their little key card, and the gate opens up, and I walk in. Perfect. I just hope some of us haven't lost our pad, our little pod. I just hope some of us haven't lost the word of God. And thinking when I get to the gate, it's going to be opened to me. Because church, if you're not where you're supposed to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, that gate's not going to open. That's a fact. But but Moses, he's he's busy, and he gets called by God when he's busy. Remember Elisha when he was plowing the field? Elijah comes by. What was he doing? He was busy. But what does Elijah do? Elijah takes his cloak and passes it on to Elisha. I think of Peter. He was fishing. And he had fished for a while, didn't catch any fish, and Jesus tells him, cast your net to the other side. He casts his net to the other side, and he catches so many fish, almost sinks the boat. Jesus didn't say to Peter, hey, go sell the fish and come back and let's talk about your future. Jesus says, Peter, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. I don't know what happened to all the fish. I don't know if they sold them before they left or somebody else took them. I don't know. The point is, Jesus said, follow me. You see, I believe, church, this morning, that God called Moses when the situation was bleak, the children are being beaten, and he's been in the house of Pharaoh. And so what does he do? He's going to go see his brethren. He's going to go talk to them when he's 40 years old. And so he goes up and he sees one of them being beaten by a taskmaster. And what does he do? He goes up and he tries to stop it and the taskmaster then is killed. So he runs. See, I think sometimes God directs us and we run. I think a lot of times God is calling And we're not falling to our knees to what he says to do. You see, there's the old saying that idle hands are the devil's workshop. I don't think that just goes for your hands, but I think it goes for your mind. I think it goes for your tasks at hand. I think a lot of times we do things to keep ourselves busy. And we take time from God in that process. And then when we need to do something for God, we've already gotten ourselves too busy that we can't do something for God. You see, when Moses is called at 80, I'm sure he was thinking back, if it was 40 years earlier, I had political power. I lived in the house of Pharaoh. I was, I, was I, could have, I could have done anything I wanted. But now he's a shepherd. As God calls him, Moses thinks about the obstacles and how great these obstacles are in his life. Number one, his speech. He thinks he, he, he can't speak properly. Perhaps he thinks he may have a death sentence. If I go back because of what I've done, they're going to kill me. Because that was the punishment. But I know that my Jesus delights to deliver us in some of our most difficult times. Jesus is there. Jesus is ready to deliver us. Even on our darkest days, he's he's making a way for us somehow, using someone or something to bring about his glory in our life. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I'm not a podcast listener, but there just happened to be one on that talked about how God makes a way And so he was sharing a story about J.D. Sumner. I don't know if all of you know who he is, but he's he's an old gospel singer. J.D. Sumner, if you don't know, was a guy who loved to help the down and out. Matter of fact, he was key into helping many young men get out of prison early, helping to set them up, get them jobs, work them on a a straight and narrow, so to speak. But the podcaster said he was also a good tipper. Every time he went out to eat, he went out to eat with someone, he'd leave a great tip for the waitress because he'd be talking about the things of the Lord. And he would share that sometimes with the waitresses but as he's at this particular diner one day, and he's having a conversation with one of his friends, it's one of those all-night diners, kind of speak, and it was late in the evening. And this lady who comes up, she's about, I think, between fifty-eight and sixty years old. And so JD is getting ready to pay the bill, and. He, he says to her, What are you what are you doing working here? I mean, you know, you should be home resting. She said, Well, I only plan on working here till I save enough money to take care of my cancer treatments. And the podcaster said he had a roll of bills always that could choke a horse. And he had it in his hand to roll money out to pay the Bill, he just dropped the whole thing on the, on the on the book. You see, church, sometimes people are calling for help. And sometimes I don't think we're reaching out to give the help that needs to be given. And I'm not saying open up your wallet and dump it in somebody's lap, but what I'm saying is, Sometimes we need to speak into somebody's life. Sometimes we need to help into somebody's life, whether it's going to the grocery store for them or taking them to the doctor's office or something. I believe God has called us all to do something. We're all called. We're all children of God, and all of God's children are called. See, God called Moses even when his previous efforts had gone barren. Who am I that I should go? He had tried before and failed. If you take time to read Acts chapter 7, verses 20 through 25, you'll see that he had tried before and he had failed and he didn't think there was a, a chance that he could do it again. I believe what distracts most Christians is once they have been shot down, they don't try anymore. They feel like, well, I'm not the person called to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. I, you know, Pastor, I tried to reach somebody for Christ, and, and, and I was sharing with them, and, and I asked them, would they like to say the sinner's prayer? And they're like, no, we're fine. And they walk off. And we feel defeated. We feel like we can't do this. We have no self-confidence left. You see, I think that's the tactic of the enemy. I think the enemy can send people that way in your direction that that will turn away from the gospel. And then you then will feel, you have no self-confidence. You'll feel defeated and you won't won't try anymore. Well, if that was the case, I would have gave the ministry up years ago. I've probably been shot down more in the first year of my life than than ever before. I mean, because when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I knew what it was to have that love for Jesus. I knew what the real change was that I needed. I knew that empty spot in my heart was no longer empty. That spot in my mind that I thought had no purpose now has purpose. But what makes the difference, I believe, is God's time and God's power. Who are we counting on to make the difference? Are we saying, I went and won somebody to the Lord, and they accepted Jesus as Savior. I could do it. You didn't do it. Jesus did it. I See, I think a lot of times we use the I, and we count on this self too much, and we give Jesus no credit for anything. But it's all about me. It's all about what I did. We live in a society today that it's all about what I can have and when I can get it and how soon can I get it. I told somebody this week that patience is a virtue. And I'll tell you what, it's been the hardest week of my life to wait, to wait. To wait, I want to do something. I got to wait. This arm feels like a lead weight. The first three days, I didn't feel anything. I couldn't even move it. Because they put these pain blockers in, and it was a dead weight. And today, it feels like a dead weight. You see, I believe God makes an a man for every occasion. I think we just need to open our eyes today and ask God, what is our occasion? What is our opening? What is it we are supposed to be doing for the Lord? Because we know for a fact that as you read uh, uh, Exodus chapter 3, God calls those who are weak And who have failed. It seems they seem to be the most humble, the most out to want to do the right thing. I go back to that story I shared with you in the beginning. And I think about the two young men. They were talking to the elderly elderly gentleman. And when he had told them, I'm the father. Your pastor was his friend. And it takes me back to that point to say, where do we stand in the light of God's kingdom? What are we doing to make an impact for the world that we live in. Yes, pastor, I know I'm called, but I really am busy. How busy are we really? How busy are we really? You see, church, because I believe that all of us can do something. I believe all of us have the ability to pray, number one. And that's something that we should be doing all the time because the Word of God says, what? Pray without ceasing. So that's something we should be doing constantly praying. But we aren't praying constantly. Why? Because we're too busy. We're trying to figure things out. This thing's driving me crazy. We're trying to figure things out. We're trying to figure out, what do I need to do tomorrow? How about let's finish up today? How about let's finish up now? You see, I can only imagine what kind of disparity the father would have been in to cast out that only life ring that he had. But I think more so what Jesus knew was going to happen to him when he came here. God knew, God, because God set all things in motion from the foundation of the world. And God knew he was going to be sending his only son for a wicked and wretched people like us. And what do we say? Humbly, thank you, Jesus. We look at our lives and we say, why would God want to save a person like me? Because church, he's looking at the greater picture. He knows you are called. You are called. To go into the highways and the byways to compel them to come in. See, there is a commission. There is a mandate, so to speak, on your life when you come to Jesus Christ. It's not to sit at home and say, well, I wonder what I'm going to do today. It's not to go to work and say, I wonder what kind of day I'm going to have. You see, church, we have a mandate, and that's to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just when you're home, talking on the telephone to a friend. But when you go to the grocery store, let them know Jesus loves them. It's not just when you're meeting with a group of people, share with them Jesus. You know what? You could go to a meeting and a corporation. You could sit down at the table and just say three words and it'll probably change the whole mandate of the whole meeting. God is good. You know what? People, when they hear that, God is good. Oh, but what happened to you this today? Because you know what? Rest assured, there's probably another one or two believers in that room that you don't even know are believers. Or maybe an unbeliever who now has question in his mind. Hmm. I wonder what he's talking about. I wonder what she's talking about. You see, church, we all have a mandate. We all have a direction. We've all been called. And when I think of that burning bush, And I think of the angel of the Lord that first spoke to Moses and then the voice of God comes and tells him the ground he is standing on is holy ground. Every time you step, because you are a child of God, the ground that you are standing on is holy ground. People should see something different about you. When I met David a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, actually, it'll be a week ago tomorrow, he came in the room and he took all this stuff off. He's changing the bandages and stuff, and he says, uh, "What do you do?" I said, "Well, I deliver pain." He said, "Oh, that's what got you in this mess." I said, "But I'm also a pastor." He said, oh, that's what's different about you. Uh You see, just because you do something else doesn't mean you change who you serve. People should see the difference in you. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for the difference that you've made in each one of our lives. I thank you, Lord God, that you have called each one of us. Father, we were all searching. But Lord, you found us. You called us. Lord, we responded to your call. We surrendered our lives to the King of Kings. Lord, we've asked you to come into our heart and our life. We've asked you to forgive us of our sins. And Lord, we repented. And Lord, you cleaned our life up from the inside out. Lord, you've changed us. And Lord, because of that, you've called us. And I pray this morning, Lord, above all things, may you give us the ability and the opportunity every single day to present the gospel message, to the world that we live in, no matter who it may be. Lord, you sent Jesus. And Lord, we know the only way to heaven is through him. Lord, I pray that we can share him so others will join us. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for this this morning in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen Amen and Amen. Let's stand together.